I think it's safe to say that you will never, ever, ever get your head around how big the universe really is. Dr. Peter Edwards, an astronomer, talks about the majesty of the universe. He says, there's no way I think that the human mind can comprehend the true immensity of the universe. We are happy with the size of an elephant or the size of a tree or maybe even the size of a giant cathedral. But if we go beyond that, our brains just start to run out of gas. He pointed the we pointed the Hubble telescope at what appeared to be a very ordinary patch of the night sky. And if you can imagine holding up your finger with a grain of sand on it and looking at the patch of sky that the grain of sand blocks out, that's the field that the Hubble telescope zoomed in on. And what that telescope saw at that tiny speck was incredible. There were, are 10,000 galaxies in a patch of sky the size of the grain of sand held at arm's length. If this tiny patch of sky is like every other, then we can calculate how many galaxies are out there. The visible universe contains around 100 billion galaxies. Each one of those galaxies contains around 100 billion stars. That means the visible universe contains something like 10,000 million, million, million stars. That means there are more stars in the visible universe than there are grains of sand on the earth. Wow. The vastness of our universe allows us a glimpse of the might and majesty of our creator. One author says, if the Milky Way galaxy were the size of the entire continent of the North America, the Milky Way galaxy is where we live, if the Milky Way galaxy were the size of the entire continent of North America, our solar system would fit in a coffee cup. And here's the kicker. <laughs> the estimated amount of matter in the universe was determined recently that is invisible, 98%. This is 2% that we can see. It's unbelievable to even think of. The, and, and guys, it just, it just continues to boggle the mind. Life on Earth requires a lot of fine-tuning. Our planet is just the right distance from the sun to allow freezing and melting. Planetary axis just tilted just so for seasons to allow for growth. There's a moon for tides to circulate, cleanse shores and oceans, an atmosphere to distribute heat. Otherwise, the sun side will cook as the night side froze. And a magnetic field that contributes to our protection from harmful solar radiation. All of these needs were met. It is all a big coincidence for those who reject the idea of God as creator. We just lucked out and just got what we needed. But it's not true. And another thing is, you know what? We didn't need rainbows. We didn't. And yet, astronomer Guillermo Gonzalez recently noted, we're the only planet in our solar system to get rainbows. For what's needed for a rainbow is suspended water droplets in the atmosphere and direct sunlight that results from the sun being between the horizon and 42 degrees altitude. This typically occurs just after a thunderstorm has passed and small droplets are still in the atmosphere. The sky is clearing in front of the sun. Seems like a simple setup. This must be a very common phenomenon, right, in the cosmos, right? Mm, actually not. Our, our moon doesn't have the atmosphere. Mars doesn't have the moisture. Venus has too thick of an atmosphere. We head further out. The other planets don't have liquid water. So the only planet to have rainbows is the one with people on them to see rainbows. To God's people, 
to all of us. This is just yet another example of his love and care. It's as if someone has been trying to get our attention with a pretty shiny object written large across the sky saying, look here, this is important. You are important to me. I have set my rainbow in the clouds and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Genesis tells us. Guys, I share all that story to just give you an idea of the immensity of the size of the universe and the intricacies and the complexities of it. But that's a created thing. The creator, how immense must he be? And today I want to talk to you about this from the book of Revelation. The boundless God that we meet in the book of Revelation and the boundless gospel on this, our vision weekend. Because I believe the greatest need in our lives is to have a whole new vision of how great and glorious and big and boundless God is and the gospel and our future and our calling and our mission and our life. Boundless. In fact, that's going to be our theme for the entire next 12 months. Looking forward, boundless. What God has called us to. So let's look. And we're kind of sort of going to walk through Revelation pretty quick here to get an idea of what this boundless idea is all about. The book of Revelation is essentially about living a life set free, the boundless life in Christ, and about sharing that boundless life with others God has placed in our path. It's Vision Weekend. So we are talking about boundless. And the book of Revelation says in chapter 4, holy, the, the, the angels are praising God. Holy, 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 Lord God, the Almighty, who was and is and is to come. He's boundless. He's always been, he is now, and always will be. They cast their crowns before the throne and say, Our Lord and God, you are worthy to receive glory and honor and power because you have created all things. All that universe, all this thing in the human body, everything else you can see and imagine, all created by God, this immense big God. By your will, they exist and were created. And for that alone, the bigness of our creator God, we should just fall down and worship him. He's worthy of our lives. He's boundless. He's immense. He's beyond our comprehension. So we know this boundless God through Jesus Christ. That's the first principle of today. We know the boundless God through the scriptures. He's been revealed to us. He says at the beginning of the book of Revelation, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, the one who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. And then the very last chapter of the book of Revelation, as if their book ended this way, Jesus says, look, I am coming soon. I'm returning. I am the Alpha and the Omega, first and last letters of the Greek alphabet, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He's just boundless. He, 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 he sets the parameters for our whole lives and our whole existence. And I hope today that you will get a vision and an idea of how great and glorious this God is. Because we need that. Otherwise, I think sometimes we just, we just get intimidated or overwhelmed by life. Or by our enemies, or by our opposition, or by our culture, or by these other ideologies that circulate, circulate around. One pastor uh, from California was talking about, he said, 15 years ago I was walking in uh, Southern California with two friends. Two of us were on staff, one was an elder in the church I was involved with. We walked past a bar and a fight had uh, broken, uh, been going on inside the barn and had spilled out into the street just like in an old western. Several guys were beating up on this one guy and he was bleeding from the forehead. 
we knew we had to do something, so we went over to break the fight up. I, don't have much, I didn't have much experience in this kind of thing. I missed the class in seminary uh, where we learned about how to break up uh, fights uh, in a bar. Uh, I don't think we were very intimidating. He says, we went over to where the fighting was and said, hey, you guys, cut that out. It didn't do much good. But then all of a sudden they looked at us with fear in their eyes. And the guys that had been beating up on the one guy stopped and started to slink away. I didn't know why until we turned and looked behind us. And out of the bar had come the biggest, baddest man I think I've ever seen. He was like six feet, seven inches, maybe 300 pounds, maybe 2% body fat. Just huge. We called him Bubba. Not to his face, but afterwards when we talk about him. And Bubba didn't say a word. He just stood there and flexed. You could tell he was the kind of hoping they would try and have a go at him. And all of a sudden, my attitude was transformed. And I said to those guys, you better not let us catch you around here, coming around here again. I was a different person because I had a great big Bubba. I was ready to confront with resolve and firmness, fearless. I was released from anxiety. I was filled with boldness and confidence. I was ready to help somebody that needed helping. I was ready to serve where serving was required. Why? Because I had a great big Bubba. I was convinced I was not alone. I was safe and I could do anything. And that is why we need to understand how great and awesome our God is. Because it fills us to be fearless and faithful. That's what we've been talking about this. That's the first principle. We know the boundless God. Remember that this vision weekend, how great God is. Secondly, we believe the boundless gospel. The book of Revelation tells us in the very first chapter, to him who loves us and has set us free from our sins by his blood. We covered this all last weekend. The cross is at the very center of everything in the universe. It, it defines our existence. The boundless love of God expressed in giving up his only son for our sake right there at the beginning. And he has made us, set us free, and he has made us a kingdom. We're part of this kingdom that is moving forward. God is reigning. The big Bubba, God himself is reigning, and he's using us in the process. We're priests to this God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Yeah, we believe in this gospel, this good news. In fact, later in the book of Revelation, it says, uh, he had the vision. John has this vision in chapter 14, which we looked at a few weeks ago. And I saw another angel flying overhead all over the whole earth with the eternal gospel, good news to announce, to evangelize, to share good news to the inhabitants of the earth. And here's how boundless the gospel is. Who's the gospel for? Every nation, tribe, language, and people. That little phrase, nation, tribe, language, and people, in some kind of form, happens repeatedly in the book of Revelation because it wants us to see that this gospel is not just for a little group of people, it's for everybody. And these were revolutionary words in the first century. Remember, there's just this tiny little group of people in this Roman Empire surrounded by millions of people, none of whom believe. And they're just this tiny group. And there's a promise that Jesus is making to them 2,000 years ago that this gospel is going to go out the eternal good news is going to go out to every tribe nation language and people and i'm sure in the first century they were blown away two thousand years later we see it fulfilled and still going forward still reaching out to every 
nation, tribe, language, and people. We believe in a boundless gospel. It's not just for us, it's for everyone. It's for, there is no one beyond the reach of the gospel. There is no one that God cannot save. The gospel applies not to our particular ideology or our little group or our church or our culture. The gospel is eternal. It's eternal good news for everyone on the face of the earth. Every single person. That's what we believe. That's what the scriptures declare. Now it says here in verse uh, chapter 14, this calls for endurance from the saints who keep God's commands and their faith in Jesus. In other words, do you really mean to stick by the gospel? Do you really mean to say, yep, the gospel is real and true and I'm not budging from it? That you really deep down in your soul believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life and no one comes to the Father except through him. At Valley Church, we major on the majors. We've said it over and over again. But that means not only do we not get sidetracked by minor issues and secondary matters that have typically divided Christians, and for 32 years and counting, our church has been unified around not getting sidetracked, but it also means we major on the majors. It means we take those truths that are central, the Word of God as revealed in the Scriptures, the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that, the, that Jesus Christ is God incarnate, that God sent his one and only son, Jesus, into the world, that he died a sacrificial atoning death on the cross, that he physically rose from the grave on the third day, that he gave his commission to all his people, his church, to, that, we, that all who trust in him are forgiven freely by his blood at the cross, and that he promises everlasting life to everyone who believes, and that he's coming again in glory, and that all people everywhere will answer to him on the last, last day. We believe the Holy Spirit comes in and fills us with the presence of God himself in our lives. And he motivates us to transform us in our spiritual walk and also to be influencers to the people around us. This is just the center of our faith, guys. And Valley Church unapologetically stands by those things and by the things that the church has believed and taught for 2,000 years. Even when they're controversial, even when others don't agree with them, even when there's name-calling and pushback and there's immense pressure upon us to, to uh, contravene those things or to, to say, well, maybe there's some room, wiggle room. If there are, there are central truths of the faith, no, it's not because we believe it. It's because God has said it in the scriptures and Jesus Christ rose from the dead and everything he claimed was vindicated to be true. So guys, we believe the boundless gospel. And by the way, I hope you'll come to the Good for All conference because we're gonna be talking about the boundless gospel. This week, um, we had an opportunity. Um, uh, we, we have three speakers, main stage speakers that were highlighting Bob Goff, Hosanna Wong, and Rebecca McLaughlin. And this week, our staff had an incredible privilege to actually be on a Zoom call with Dr. Rebecca McLaughlin, uh, incredible award-winning author uh, of uh, Confronting Christianity, 12 Hard Questions for the World's Largest Religion, and also the book, The Secular Creed. Incredible, almost an hour she was spent. And I'm telling you, we were just in awe of, of the wisdom that she had, of the insights that she had, and especially on how to take the eternal gospel and take it to a people and a culture that many times either is indifferent or even actively hostile to what we believe. And she did it with grace, she did it with kindness, but with intelligence and insight and wisdom. Guys, you don't want to miss this. 
Because we believe in the eternal gospel. And we're taking it to the streets of Des Moines. It's awesome. All right, keep going. We believe the boundless gospel. We also believe, we anticipate the bound, our boundless future. We have a boundless future that God has promised for us. Our, our future, my future is so bright, i got to wear shades, right? Chapter 1 of Revelation said, look, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him. He's not a localized, tribal faith. No, it's a worldwide faith and every eye will see that Jesus Christ is Lord. Uh, in chapter 1, it, it goes on to say, when I saw Jesus, when, when it was revealed to John, this Im immense vision of the resurrected Christ, says, when I saw that vision of the resurrected Jesus, I fell at his feet like a dead man. He laid his right hand on me and said, don't be afraid. I'm the first and the last, boundless, and the living one. Death can't overcome me. I was dead, but look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. Jesus himself conquered death through his resurrection. And he says, I'm alive forevermore. He's boundless. He, will, he lives forever. And he offers by his resurrection that eternal life to all people. So we have this boundless future, eternal life in him, boundless life. Eternal life doesn't begin the day you die. Eternal life begins the day you believe. Because it's not just about a quantity of time. It's about a rich quality, abundancy of life that Jesus gives to us. In chapter 7, we get this picture of our boundless future. For this reason, it talks about the people of God. They are before the throne of God. They serve him day and night in his temple. Picture of heaven. The one seated on the throne will shelter them. And then looking forward to our future, they will long, no longer hunger. They will no longer thirst. The sun will no longer strike them, nor in any scorching heat. For the lamb who is at the center of the throne, Jesus is the center of everything in our lives. That's what we believe. That's our vision. He will shepherd them. He's going to shepherd us through this life all the way home to eternity. He will guide them to the springs of the waters of life. We will never die. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Guys, this is powerful stuff. That we believe in this boundless future that God has prepared. You know, Paul said, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived of what God has prepared for those who love him but he's revealed it to us by his spirit. So we begin to get these inklings, these tastes of eternity that are to come. But guys, I hope you're jazzed about it because you know, this life on earth is very brief and then eternity, eternity, it's boundless future. Guys, um, we've been walking through this in the book of Revelation and we're gonna continue through the book of Revelation for the next several weeks and we're gonna finish off this book. The thing I love about the, uh, the book of Revelation is that it shows us where we are now and where we're going. What our mission is, and what our God is, and what our faith is, that's what we believe. That's the book of Revelation. Once we conclude that, and we have our Christmas series in the boundless grace of Jesus, then we will go into a new series. Some of you have been asking, what comes after Revelation? Well, it's gonna be in the book of Proverbs. If Revelation says, here's where we are, and here's where we're going, the book of Proverbs tells us how to get there. The book of Revelation is about this incredible grand scheme of things that God has. The cosmic battle between good and evil. Proverbs, I love it. And we're going to take it straight through chapter by chapter. It'll be a long series. And it has not just, not the cosmic battle between good and evil, but it brings it right down to the ground level, right down to grassroots, where your family lives, 
where your friendships are, where you go to work. It's everyday wisdom for everyday life. And that's there for us in the book of Proverbs. Can't wait to get there. Look forward to that with you guys, okay? All right, number four, we experience the boundless life. Talked about this all last weekend, so I'm not gonna repeat myself. If you missed it, why? Go back there and listen to it, all right? Thus says the Holy One, the True One, the one who has the key of David, who opens and no one will close, and he closes and no one opens. He said to the church at Philadelphia, I know your works. Look, I have placed before you an open door that no one can close. He says to people that were struggling, their life was hard. He says to you today, you know what? You trust in me, I can open doors that nobody can shut. And there's stuff that, you know what? Not gonna happen. I'm gonna prevent it from happening. If I shut it, no one can open it. I got you. I got a boundless life for you. I got open door opportunities for you. Just step into them. He says in chapter 14 about us. These are the ones who follow the lamb wherever he goes. That's what our calling is. That's the boundless life. We just go wherever Jesus goes. And he goes all the way to eternity. They were redeemed from humanity as the first fruits for God and for the lamb. Did you know that about you? That you were purchased by the payment of a price at the cross from humanity as the first fruits for God and for the Lamb. The first fruits are the, are the best and most precious of all the crop. They belong to God himself. And he says, that's who you are, your, your first fruits. Do you feel like that? Do you know that about you and the boundless life that God has for you? Not just ordinary mediocrity, but first fruits living. That's what he's got for you. You know, um, one author, Ron Hutchcraft, was talking about, you know, the different meals uh, that we have at our homes. And sometimes we have meals and we just bring out the paper plates. And sometimes we have that, you know, the plates that are kind of everyday usage. And then someday we bring out the special, the fine china, right? And they're for different purposes and different types of meals. Here in this verse, we understand this first fruits. Um, God has, has called us to special purposes. He says, I, I've got you for a special purpose to live for me. You're, you're not paper plates. You're not even the everyday, you know, plates. You're fine china, first fruits. I, I, I have a special purpose for you. Do you want to embrace that? Do you want to experience the boundless life that God has for you? Last weekend we talked about it. If, if you're going to experience that, what obstacle needs to go? What need, do you need to turn from and say, nope, done with that? And then in what opportunities do you need to grow? Where does God have you? I asked you to pray for that all this past week. I hope you've been doing that and asking, where do I, what do I need to turn my back on and say, nope, no more, needs to go, needs to exit my life, need to turn around. And then where's God leading you in the future? I would love it on this vision weekend if each and every person would write down the answer to this question. In what, uh, what is your bold faith move for the coming year for your spiritual life? Write that down. Can we, can we go to the next, that question? Okay. What is your bold faith move for the coming year for your spiritual life? Guys, um, every year we, we write down these bold faith moves. And I, I want you to think about what you're going to write down now. Okay. This isn't for the weekend. This is like, what's God got for me? What's he leading me toward? And I don't know if it means joining a life group. 
I don't mean, I, I don't know if it means uh, uh, starting to, you know, uh, become more involved in, 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 in attending worship. Uh, I don't know if it means a bold faith move of your spiritual life is I need to see more joy in my life or I need to pursue the fruit of the spirit in my life or I need to deepen my prayer life or I need to show more forgiveness or more kindness. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I have no idea. But we've been talking about this for months through the book of Revelation. There's something that God has that he specifically is calling you to do in the next year. And I want it to be, I call on you to make it a bold faith move. Not something that you can accomplish in an afternoon. But something that's going to require for God to show up in your life in a significant way. He says, you know what? I want to see my life really grow in using my gifts and abilities. I want to become boundlessly generous this year. I, I, I want to show new integrity that I've been lacking in an area. I want, to, I want to restore a relationship or relationships or friendships or I want to begin something new. I don't know what God has for you. Maybe it's at the workplace. Maybe it's in your family. Maybe it's in um, your relationships with the people in the body of Christ. I don't know what it is. But I'm praying that you will write that down as your bold faith move for this coming year and say, that's the one that God has for me. And then the fifth and last principle for today is this. We pursue the boundless mission. Not just a boundless life, but a boundless mission. In other words, God doesn't just call us to grow spiritually in our own life, in boundless life in Christ, but he calls us to be influencers of others. Influencers of others. Here's the people of God in Revelation chapter 5. And they sang a new song. God put a new song in their hearts. You, Jesus, are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slaughtered. And you purchased people for God by your blood from every, there it is again, tribe, language, people, and nation. It's a boundless mission. Jesus died on the cross to reach people from every tribe and language, people and nation. And that means he wants to use us to take this message with a mission to everybody. That means across the world in some unreached people group, and we're doing that internationally in many different places. Maybe this is the year you jump in and get involved in our international mission. Or more likely for many of you, it means you just walk across the street. You say hi to a neighbor. You, you, you reach out in kindness and friendship to somebody at work because you know they don't yet know Jesus and they need to know Jesus because you want them to have a boundless life as well. And so you're in love beginning to build bridges of kindness and compassion and goodness and truth and you're praying for opportunities to have conversations about your faith and about spiritual and you become a good listener just hearing what they have to say. And, and being a friend to them and meeting needs. And you just say all of this is to build bridges so that they meet not just me, but they meet the God who made me and the God who saved me and that they can experience the life that I've experienced in Jesus. We're imperfect. Well, we're taking people to the perfect boundless God. Uh, and this is telling us, he says, you made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they'll reign on the earth. He's got a mission for us to do on this earth, to take his kingdom, to advance his kingdom, 
to represent as ambassadors his kingdom. He calls us a kingdom. He calls us priests who offer living sacrifices to God and who as ambassadors build bridges so that other people can meet Jesus. That's what a priest does. And that's what every single believer, including you, are called to do. We have a mission. It is a boundless mission to everybody, rich, poor, young, old, male, female, doesn't matter what ethnicity, doesn't matter what their uh, political party is, doesn't matter if you agree with or disagree with them on questions of ethics or sexual morals or whatever, doesn't matter. Jesus died for sinners. He was slaughtered and purchased people for God by his blood. And we're after it as a church. Valley Church is after it. That's our vision and mission. In fact, we state our vision and mission is mobilizing everyone's God-given potential to deeply love Christ and their neighbors. That's what we want everybody here to do. Love God and love your neighbors deeply. And how are we going to see that fulfilled in our own community over the next, you know, through the rest of the, of the 20s that we're living in? We're going to pursue bold faith in God and build community bridges to love and influence a half a million Des Moines neighbors. That's our vision. That's what we want to do. So that everybody has just that one degree of separation, one step away. They have an opportunity to step into somebody they know from this church that they can have a conversation with. Can we be the kind of neighbors that make that happen? That's our vision. That's our mission. A great sign appeared in heaven. We saw this in chapter 12 of Revelation. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. This is Israel. This is the people of God. This is obviously in first century the Virgin Mary. She was pregnant and cried out in labor and agony as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven. There was a great fiery red dragon. And the dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that when she did give birth it might devour her child. But God didn't allow that to happen. In fact, it says she gave birth to a son, a male who is going to rule all nations. Guys, that's our mission. And our mission involves a great cosmic battle between good and evil. That's a lot of what the book of Revelation is about. So it's going to be tough at times. I'm not saying this is all going to be easy and just smiles and balloons and cake with frosting and cookies and puppies. No, it's going to be some tough times for believers in Jesus. I'm just telling you, blood, sweat, toil, and tears. But it's going to be worth it. Because one day Jesus rules all nations. One day he brings his kingdom of love and kindness and goodness and truth and justice everywhere at all times for all eternity. And we're in on that mission. We are all in on it through the Son of God. A few years ago, we asked people at Valley Church, what was their number one reason for not sharing their faith? And we got lots of uh, um, responses, okay? I want to give you the top four reasons people say, what's, when we ask them, what's your biggest factor that might cause you to run away from the mission of courageous compassion, sharing your faith with those who are far from God? They are, uh, they are spiritually distant, but literally close to you. What keeps you? And there are a number of reasons given, but there were four top ones. Number one, comfort. 23% of Valley Church people said, I'm uncomfortable having those kind of conversations. Guys, 
I understand they're uncomfortable. And that's why we're offering conferences. That's why we offer 3D1. That's why we offer opportunities in our life group to discuss how we can be good listeners and good friends and good neighbors so that these spiritual conversations aren't uncomfortable. Or if they are, that we can have the, the presence and the grace and the winsomeness and the kindness and the courage to still have them. That was the number one reason, just uncomfortable. Another one was culture. Uh, 16% said our culture has told Christians to be silent about our beliefs. And sometimes we feel kind of shamed or silenced. And you know what? Here is like, hey, we got a great message. Um, you know, everybody else is talking about what they believe. It's okay to talk about what you believe in a winsome, friendly, and neighborly way. Uh, uh, 12% said conflict. I have a conflict with someone or some people, and I'm not sure I even want to go there. People honestly said that. And that's cool. That's great. First step into that is to begin to build bridges of kindness and, compa and compassion. Maybe that's your, your in talks of, talk about bold faith moves of spiritual influence. Maybe it's beginning to make friends with people or to resolve some issues or to build bridges of kindness and mercy to people. Maybe people who are very unlike you in their moral views and their ethical views and their spiritual views and their political views. I don't care what it is. God didn't say love people who are like you. He said, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Bless them. Don't curse them. Bless them. Because God loves them. And he causes his reign to fall on the righteous and the unrighteous. He blesses everybody. And so should you. Uh, and uh, another reason given, the, the fourth most common reason was calendar. Uh, is that I just feel like I'm just too busy. And um, all I can say to that, and I get it, I'm busy, you're busy, we're all busy. All I can say to that is if you're too busy, to love your neighbor and to get on mission for Jesus, you're just too busy. I mean, this can't be like over here. Now you can, what I want to encourage you to do is infuse it into your everyday life. Don't make it a project. Don't make people a project. Make them just a part of your life and begin to embrace them and love them. And as you go about your busy life, sprinkle in clues about Jesus. Sprinkle in clues about your faith. Talk to people everyday life about what you learned here at Valley Church or about what you, you learned in, in a mistake that you made. Honesty, humility, transparency, authenticity are what people are looking for. Not perfection, because guess what? We all figured out we're all imperfect. So we already know that. How do we win this cosmic battle between good and evil? And how do we bring the gospel and stay on mission? It says in chapter 12, they conquered him, that is that great fiery red dragon, Satan, who opposes us. They conquered him by the blood of the Lamb. It is through the cross of Jesus. It is through our faith in Jesus and by the word of their testimony. That's how we win. Sometimes it's by laying down our lives sacrificially for others, like Jesus did. Sometimes, in some places, it's even martyrdom. But always, it's by the word of our testimony. I, I just want to encourage you. You have a story. I have a story. We all have stories. And you're like, well, my story's not that great. Who said so? Why do you believe in that lie? Your story is awesome. I don't care what your story is. If you know Jesus, you have an incredible story. The amazing grace of Jesus. God reached down from heaven and plucked you and snatched you from eternal condemnation and damnation and saved you, put you on a rock gave you eternity, put his Holy Spirit within you, and gave you everlasting life. That's a great story. I don't care who you are. So don't be ashamed of your story. Don't be ashamed of the story, the gospel. 
They conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And then I love how the book of Revelation ends. It ends with these two verses. He who testifies about these things, that's Jesus, says, yes, I am coming soon. What's that about? means get after it. There's some urgency. You don't have forever. You need to make a difference now and not wait next year, next decade. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. We want him to come. We long for That's been the hope, the blessed hope of the church. It's what Revelation is all about, about this boundless God who is coming back to take us to himself. Come, Lord Jesus. And I love how the book of Revelation ends on verse 21. Kind of unexpectedly. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with everyone. Amen. Ultimately, that's our prayer and that's our desire. That the grace of Jesus be with everybody. That everybody that we come into contact would experience the grace of Jesus. In us, through us, through him. That's what we're about. So today I want to ask you this question. What is your bold faith move for the coming year for your spiritual influence? We earlier had you fill out, write down your spiritual growth move. But what's your spiritual influence? Growth is about what happens within you, the development of Christ-likeness. But spiritual influence is the ripple effect that you have on other people. I don't know what it would be for you. Maybe it's getting to know neighbors. Maybe it's going deeper with your one life that God's placed in your pathway. Maybe it's identifying the one life and having some courage to stand up and say, that's who God's put in my path. Maybe it's taking some training or opportunities. Maybe it's signing up for Alpha or bringing somebody with you to Alpha and saying, this is a way to introduce them to the faith that is so important to me. Maybe it's just showing kindness and compassion and just begin to build bridges through our many community bridges. Get involved with what we're doing at the community center or throw a block party in your neighborhood. I don't know, but make sure it's a big, bold faith move that it'll take the Holy Spirit of God showing up and stretching you to make it happen. Okay, I want to end with this. I don't know, if, have you ever been to Niagara Falls? I have. Here's a picture of Niagara Falls. Um, it's glorious. It's, it's amazing. Uh, and just a wonderful place to be. And the immensity of it and the power of it, and the sound of it, and the roar of the waters is, is truly, truly remarkable. While I was there, it was, it was almost a decade ago I was in at Niagara Falls. I read, a, I read a story and then I did a little digging and found out more about a young man. His name was Roger Woodward. And 62 years ago, Roger Woodward earned bragging rights as one of the few people to survive a plunge over Niagara Falls. Just, just go back to that Niagara Falls picture. I want you to see or hear this about this. And he said, not that he ever used his bragging rights. For sure, the seven-year-old miracle boy who tumbled over the brink after a boating accident is part of the colorful folklore of Niagara Falls. A few years ago, on the anniversary of his 162-foot drop, Roger Woodward still wants no part of that club. He said, our story has absolutely nothing to do with anything heroic or daredevil-type nature. Uh, th those guys are in a world of their own. Frankly, I don't understand it. Woodward and his family sought to resume normal life after he and his 17-year-old sister, Deanne, were rescued from Niagara, Fall, or Niagara River after being tossed from the family friend James Honeycutt's 12-foot aluminum boat on 
July 9, 1960. New Jersey tourists John Haynes and John Quatrachi pulled Deanne Woodward to shore just before the brink of the falls. Honeycutt, the boat owner, was swept with Roger Woodward over the Horseshoe Falls, and the boat owner, Honeycutt, was killed. Roger, though, survived, and he said, we were just two kids out with a family friend for a day on the water. It turned tragic. A man lost his life, and quite literally, by the grace of God, we were thankful that my sister and I were saved. For 34 years, Roger Woodward and his sister never talked about it, not even to each other. Their, par their parents thought it best to move on. But Roger remembers the immediate interest from the outside world was overwhelming. Check out some of these pictures. So much that his father hooked the family's trailer to a truck and moved in the dead of night from Niagara Falls. These days, Roger Woodward will good-naturedly retell the story. Until then, Woodward um, was the only person known to have survived a fall, a plunge over the falls, unprotected. Only three others have survived since then, 62 years. He listened on, on the anniversary of it with his wife, Susan Woodward, to a brief broadcast of a radio special about the accident. He said, to this very day, every time I hear the story, I can smell the water. For Roger Woodward, the worst part was the brutal ride through the suffocating white water where he was tossed from the boat after it struck something, becoming disabled and was pulled into the powerful rapids. This water looks like it's as big as a house with the waves and the rocks. One minute you're pulled underwater, you can't breathe, you wonder if you're ever going to breathe again. The next second you're thrown up into the air and you come down and you're glancing off of rocks as you're going through the rapids. He says there was a peaceful moment while he was going over the brink of the falls. I was floating in a cloud. I had no sensation of up or down. I didn't have any sensation in my stomach, like you might have on a roller coaster, that moment when your stomach is in your throat. He doesn't remember hitting bottom. He may have been protected from the rocks by what's known as a water cone, a formation that bursts from the surface after water and air form with such force. It's like a hand reaching out. It has to be that, or it's a miracle of God. Miracle was what the newspaper headline declared in the black and white photos of the blonde, blue-eyed boy clinging to a life ring after being pulled onto the Maid of the Mist tour boat, which was nearby when he bobbed to the surface at the churning base. Can you imagine? He looks as though he's smiling, but he was in shock. He said, I'm absolutely scared to death. Another photo shows him in his hospital bed recovering from a slight concussion, scrapes and bruises. Later photos show him hair gelled neatly to the side, posing with the captain of the uh, boat who maneuvered the tour boat so that he could toss him a lifeline. All these years later, it's difficult to say how that moment may have affected the life of a carpenter's son who loved the outdoors. It was his first boat ride, and it could have been his last. Instead, Roger developed a love of boating, became a certified diver, joined the Navy during the Vietnam War. But you won't find him on the upper Niagara with a 7.5 horsepower boat like the one that powered the boat that fateful day. I'm a person of common sense and very safety-minded, he said. He's drawn to stories of survival on the high seas, accounts of circumnavigating the globe, with their underlying themes of per persevering through the worst nature has to offer. I like the part of survival, the way they find a way to survive in dire circumstances. Woodward said he heard countless times that day and after, God has his hand on you that day, or God must have had some important mission for you to accomplish in life. But it wasn't until 20 years later that the boy who had not regularly attended church was encouraged by a friend 
to go after finding himself troubled by nagging the nagging question, why am I here? From that day forward, I was able to answer that one huge question. And the answer to the question was this. God saved me that day, July 9th, 1960, because he knew at age 27, I would come to know him as my savior. It led Roger to the ministry for a couple of years, but he spent most of his working life in the corporate world, in office products, telecommunications industries. He kept a low profile as a Niagara Falls survivor. His three sons while growing up were quicker to exploit his story. They said, our dad's story is a pretty good show and tell piece in school. I tell all that story because here's a guy just an ordinary man, but he believed that God had a purpose in his life. There was a reason he was still alive, and he discovered that it was that God wanted to know him, and to, he wanted Roger to know him personally. And he came to faith in Jesus, and he found a mission sharing his story of survival and, more importantly, his story of salvation with everyone who would listen. In his own simple way, he is living out the vision of Valley Church and the vision of the book of Revelation, of a boundless God, a boundless gospel, a boundless future, a boundless life, and a boundless mission. How about you? Father in heaven, give us a sense of what you have for us. Help us not to just take life for granted, but instead to truly believe that you have a purpose and a reason for each of us to be here. And help us, each of us, to take today those two bold faith moves. One for our own spiritual growth for the next year. What is it? Show us, O oh God. And the other is that bold faith move for influencing others to knowing Jesus. Help us each to take those bold faith moves today. And I pray this in your name. And everybody said... Amen. God bless you all and have a great week ahead.